What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive and unfortunately I am not joined by Ricky this week. He's feeling a bit under the weather this week and to be honest with you, you're kind of lucky that there is some content for you at all this week because I've been a bit under the weather myself. There was a lot of humming and hawing as to whether to put a show out and I thought, let's just get one done because there are listeners, not blowing a trumpet, my own trumpet or anything like that, but there are listeners out there who do enjoy some Ricky and Clive content. So I'll give you the the best part of the the show, that's the the Clive content. Hopefully Ricky's feeling better for next week. And hopefully I'm feeling better because today has been just a bit of a, or not just today, but the last few days, it's been a bit of a, a haze, so to speak. Unwellness, the unwellness policy. Uh, nearly struck me out for 30 days there but I'm feeling a lot better today and I thought, do you know what, let's just get some wrestling content in the go so, best of luck to you Ricky for coming back next week we will continue our draft, not draft, a sort of 64 wrestler bracket hoping to get some guests on in the next week or so but as you can tell from tonight, plans changed shout out to Dave Meltzer, big fan Um, so We'll see what happens next week, but we will strive to at least get some content for you on the go. So I thought I would, as it's going to just be a shorter show this week, I was thinking what will I talk about, and I have a few things I'd like to talk about. So it's going to be sort of split up into, in my in my unwell stupor over the last few days, I managed to hammer in quite a few shows on the network. So I'm going to go over them, just a sort of touch base, re-review of sorts. Then I'll go over what I can remember of NXT TakeOver 31, which took place in the new and improved, question mark, capital city, uh, capital hill, can't remember, capital something centre, wrestling centre, this cruiserweight classic is back, ladies and gents. Talk about that TakeOver, and then just one or two points from that have happened Personally, from a personal standpoint, things that interest me the most or that I have an opinion on the most, I'll talk about them, just one or two, to tide you over. Um, And then you can get on with the rest of your day and talk to your friends about how this has been another sham of a wrestling podcast for you. So, the things that I've been listening, watching over the last few days started off with some of the old R-Truth game show. Obviously, we're all aware that R-Truth has been comedy gold for the last two, three, well, really, four, five, six years, seven, eight, nine, ten years. But the R-Truth and the 24-7 title are a match made in heaven. 
It has given us many a great moment and I think it actually somehow revitalised his career in terms of where he is, where he stands in the company, what he can offer to fans, casual and smart, smarky ones. So we got the game show. Seems like a great idea. Obviously, as here on the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, we are fans of wrestling quizzes and Artruth jazzed it up with some general knowledge as well as wrestling quizzes. Quizzing the likes of the ones I've seen so far, I haven't seen them all. We had Seamus, Natalia Neidhart, with a wee cameo from, uh, I, w I want to say Tyson Fury, but that's not his name. Tyson Kidd, working away in the gym, nice to see. Uh, also a bit of Alexa Bliss and a bit of the big bad Drew McIntyre himself. I like the format of it. I like how there's a sense of, don't know if anyone in America has seen QI, which is a quiz show hosted by Stephen Fry, where <clears throat> they just give out points willy-nilly for random reasons. Your, your point system is quite skewed, biased perhaps, and R-Truth just doesn't care at all about the points. He'll give you points if you have dogs. He'll give you points if you put some conviction behind a promo. All that sort of jazz. So obviously R-Truth's charisma character all comes through very well. It's good to see the wrestlers with their, their shoulders relaxed, as it were, having a bit of fun with no doubt someone who is a, a locker room favourite, friend, all that stuff. So I did enjoy it. The only thing that I thought, and it was just, one could maybe argue it was typical WWE, it was very spliced together, very cut, choppy chop, choppy choppy pee pee and a lot of the reactions were very heavily produced and I don't know about you, obviously people here listen to podcasts um, wrestling podcasts as well as in your Bruce um, your Conrad Thompson, your JR Jericho, Austin, all that there's nothing more engaging than just a shoot the breeze natural flowing, extemporaneous conversation and we didn't really get that with the R-Truth show because it was all chopped up and produced and it took me out of it really, which is a shame. What I've watched afterwards, I was rarely out of it, I was engaged throughout the whole thing and that was Steve Austin's interview with King Kurt Angle himself and I have to say, since Kurt Angle returned in 2017 all the way up until he was let go there was always this glassy look in his eyes. Now, I am not intimating that he still has issues with narcotics of the pharmaceutical kind, but there was just this look in his eyes to, as if to say, I have done a lot of hard years and it's all getting away from me. But it was the most lucid, clear, that I think I've seen Kurt Angle in a long, long time. I think coming away from the bubble and just shooting the breeze with his good old pal uh, Steve Austin seemed to just let him relax a bit he was pr plugging his own food his health food and they were just talking a lot about Kurt's career missed out of some obvious things that they can't really talk about but went into quite a lot of detail about TNA his drugs, his drink uh, how angry like sending texts to Vince saying the next time I see you in the face in person, I'm going to beat you up. Just showing, like, we all know it now, but the demons that Kurt Angle was dealing with back in the day were evil, evil demons. So it's a shame to see that he went through that. But 
very interesting. Just interesting all round, just listening to Kurt talk about the good old days, the bad old days. And he's, despite, he does claim, like, he is one of the best wrestlers on the planet. But for him to be humble enough to say, I don't think I'm on the Mount Rushmore, but if the Mount Rushmore had ten faces, maybe then I would be on it. There is a, like, there's no point trying to be subjective with it. Kurt Angle is one of the best. But for him to be show a wee bit of humility, this late stage in his career where he's putting family first, that was humble of him. I don't agree. I think he should be on the Mount Rushmore, um, regardless of the time that he had, where it was only six years in the main mainstream. Many argue, himself included, that he did his best work in TNA. So there's no denying Kurt Angle was at the top of the, the tower. And it was good just to have a laugh and listen to him. Really enjoyed that. There's, I've not seen a lot of the Steve Austin podcasts on the network. Just sorry, but I don't exactly want to listen, sit and listen to Jerry Lawler talk about puppies for an hour. This one I have just finished watching this, this evening. Um, the 24 documentary with Drew McIntyre slash Galloway. Now, there has been posited by Rich Latta himself and James Boyd that there is a 24 curse where you have these documentaries on 24 and then your career sort of starts to go down the pan as it were. I sincerely hope that's not the case and I hope Rich and James that your theory is just that because I have I I sound like a broken record when I say this, I do but when you have I've not got a a compatriotic bias for him. Yes, he's a Scot. Yes, he was there from the beginning at ICW. He's worked his way through it all. He put he helped put ICW and British wrestling on the map, as was evidenced in the documentary that they did. So from just a, a fan standpoint, not a fellow Scot standpoint, Drew McIntyre has won me over in a big, bad way this year. I think he's put on... He's had an exemplary, strong babyface title run. And I've seen it put on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. Is Drew McIntyre the best champion since? And Kofi Kingston's name's come up. Um, Roman Reigns' name has come up. But C4, if we were to narrow it down just a wee bit more, if you're looking for a strong babyface champion, then genuinely... Okay, there's no fan. There are no fans there. We get that, but I struggle to see any negative press on Drew McIntyre's reign anywhere. And we know that although the fan, the arenas are quiet, the social media arena is quite a loud, noisy, and boisterous place. So for that, I think I think it's a good barometer for how well he's doing, and I think he's done so well. His pay-per-view matches have been top-notch. He has remained healthy. I, th- I might think he has had one or two weeks off. I can't remember off the top of my head. But for the most part, he has remained healthy during these altogether now unprecedented times. He's stayed fit. He's had excellent pay-per-view matches. He has a uniqueness to his promos, obviously helped along by the, the Scottish accent, which in turn is helped along by the the Scottish twist on mild PG-ish PG-ish friendly swear words and get away with a prick here and there and a a son of a bitch and 
listen, listeners, you just can't deny that a swear word sounds just that wee bit better and that bit more um, genuine when it comes from Scottish tongue, even though that Scottish tongue has been lilted more and more by the day with an American twang. It sounds like Gerald Butler on steroids, basically. So, back to the, the documentary. Loved it. Showed It showed very early footage of him in 2003, 4, 5, and how it was picked up by John Laurinaitis, alongside Seamus on the same day, Wade Barrett, I believe, as well, and his trials and tribulations that he had. And I didn't realise that during the time of his departure, and when he was still with 3MB, he he was uh, he was doing a lot of drinking with Heath Slater and Jinder Mahal, a lot of partying, living the gimmick, and it was tearing him apart. His wife, now wife but partner at the time, she she should be commended because she stood by him through his drinking, his depression at being let go, his being away from the family home for so much of the time when he was tearing it up on the Indies and when he broke his neck I didn't even know that he broke his neck <clears throat> so all through that his wife was by his side through all of that so they do say behind every strong man is a, a strong wife and I think Drew McIntyre's testament to that There's a, he's, he does come across as humble but driven and confident and aware of his own abilities in the documentary. And I think that's what comes across in the, the promos that he does. He keeps saying in interviews that what you see is the real Drew Galloway. And I firmly believe that. There's just there's some magic going on with him at the moment. As far as I think a Hell in a Cell match has been confirmed for Hell in a Cell between the two. And even though Drew has two wins over Randy Orton, this is me starting to think, oh well, that's the time up. And I do have mixed feelings on it because does the rumoured or does the wished for Randy Orton versus Edge at WrestleMania really need a title? Does it really? Same argument with Roman versus Rock, if that was to happen. Big deal, big money match, but does that really need to happen for the title? Um and I just think if they're reverting back to Randy Orton, have has Drew McIntyre done enough in this 10-month spell to make sure that he stays in the main event and doesn't just dwindle like Jinder, Kofi, a couple of other WWE champs who have just been one-timers and then they drift off back into the mid-card to maybe not even irrelevancy, but just not as high a stock as they once had. I think personally he has done enough and from how long he has kept the title, how strongly he's been booked, how strongly he's been presented, that Drew McIntyre has done enough to be in title contention if and when he loses that title. So keep saying, yep, save it for when the, the crowds come back. Listen, we don't know when the crowds are coming back. That could be a long, long way away especially with this second wave happening. So we're just getting used to the that pubs and cafes and workplace corridors are all cut off. And especially Florida, when you've got both WWE and AEW having many um, 
outbreaks within the, each of their companies. It was summed up perfectly well by my seven-year-old daughter. She was watching NXT with me, uh, and she was saying, is that live? Is that just now? And I said, well, it was the morning. So I said, no, it was last night. And she said, no, I mean, is it? did it happen just now, as in during the coronavirus? And I said, yes. And she said, well, that's a bit dangerous, is it not? Seven years old, ladies and gentlemen, and she has it sussed more than Vincent McMahon, Tony Khan, all the other wrestling companies, and yet we still watch it. But uh, I forgot my train of thought there. Yes, who knows when we're going to get fans back if we've got people being so irresponsible to the point that there are still outbreaks going on. <coughs> Jericho, <coughs> oh, excuse me. <coughs> Bad cough there. Great documentary, marred, unfortunately, heavily marred by the inclusion of a certain Wolfgang who has still not even been officially addressed at the start of the investigations of the speaking out movement. He was quiet for a long time on Twitter, now he's back, he's on NXT UK and now he's appearing in documentaries for Drew. Come on, you need to give us something WWE, this is going on and on and on. And interestingly, Joe Coffey was not involved at all, and they had Noam Dar, they had Killian Dane, they had Nicky Cross, basically as many Scots as they could get their hands on for these interviews. Joe was nowhere to be seen. Interesting that one, but also interesting it was Wolfgang was. I just wish he would tell us. And that moves me on to my next point. I will get this out of the way as part of the Takeover 31 review. Starring Patrick Clark of all people. Now, I get, I understand entirely that he was doing the Doc Brown attire for his match with Martin McFly enthusiast Kushida. So he had the, the grade hair, the lab coat, and he had the, the gloves with the, the toxic emblem on it. And it actually, it, it, that came to me second that he was imitating Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Because I thought, knowing, knowing Patrick, that stuff that he does, he likes to be controversial with his attire. And I was under the impression that he was wearing toxic gloves because his hands, a.k.a. his texting fingers, are toxic. And I thought, you, you bastard, how dare you? And then it dawned on me, wait a minute, it's back to the future. But I'm sure I'm not the only one who made that connection. And if he did it intentionally, as a wee nod to the stuff going on, even if you are innocent, you should be ashamed of yourself. And it's becoming a lot harder, a lot harder to watch NXT with you on it. Because it's far too on the nose. It's just unacceptable now. I can't Anyway, not got, I've not got much vivid memory of NXT TakeOver because of illness stupors, but it was a decent TakeOver. I still think they've really, really, NXT as a whole has direly missed the crowds, has direly missed Full Sail because once in a blue moon you've got a bumping atmosphere, which helps the episodes or the takeovers. And I think it was at its best when you had, I know it was irresponsible from a safety point of view, but when you had the fans and the perplexed glass. 
um, smashing the perplex glass, singing along to Damien Priest's song, all the, the extras and the trainees. That was the most lively that NXT has been. And then along comes this Capitol Hill Wrestling Community Centre with the Thunderdome screens. Okay, I get it. And you've got fans in the crowd. You've got probably trainees again, performance centre, newbies. But you, you can't hear them, even though they're banging the glass, because they're piping in the fake crowd reactions and the fake cheers and the fake boos and the fake stuff. It's over shadowing the actual ambience within the arena and it's just they've still they've still not got it they've still not got that atmosphere that NXT seriously misses so because of that I think it's it's just that might be like the overarching but quiet main reason for why NXT has just been a bit hmm the last few months there have obviously been injuries there have been behind closed door suspensions you've even got Austin Theory floating about as well so it's hard it's, it's hard to watch with these folk on it but sometimes you can escape and just enjoy NXT for what it was and I think that there were times where this was the case in this night the the heavy the shenanigan heavy ending to the women's title match was good I'm not. I'm still not sure about Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano for that matter. I think there's it seems a wee bit miscast this weird power couple ego thing that they've got going on. Um, of course, as you know, I do like to just shit on Johnny Gargano every chance I can get. Him and his greasy hair, but his match with Damien Priest was good. Damien Priest has has been doing very well for himself. I have to say, um, he's had a, a solid. Covid era of his career, Finn Balor match. Uh, he won the title match and a very good North American title ladder match, and a very solid outing against Johnny Gargano. You'll have noticed, if you cast your mind back, there have been many, basically almost every single NXT North American title match has been very good. So you had, let's think about this, let's just run through it very quickly. The first ever ladder match for it, then you had Adam Cole and Ricochet, then you had Ricochet and Johnny Gargano, then you had that, then you had Velveteen Dreams takeovers, we can say what we want about him, but he put in a, a trilogy of very good North American title matches. Then after that, it was Roderick Strong, that might have been a triple threat match. I might be making that up. Probably am. But then the next one in February 2020, you had, what's his face? Keith Lee versus Dominic Dijakovic. Ladies and gents, many, many times now, the NXT North American title has been one of the best matches on the card. So pay attention going forward. This is, this is what maybe depending on how you interpret things. This might be what the mid-cards on WWE main roster are missing. I mean, it, it is an actual workhorse title. A uh, fighting champion. They're always putting in banger after banger of a match. So you'll have to excuse me for a minute because my timer's just went off and I am in the middle of cooking lunch for tomorrow. 
I need to take some stuff out of the oven and do stage two. I will be back imminently and I'll tell you all about what the lunch is before I continue. And I'm back, so lunch tomorrow for me and the young ones. I'll need to go again in nine minutes to turn the oven off. Get yourself two courgettes or zucchini. Chop, chop and top them and then grate them and then leave them out to dry or dry them if you can for a wee while. Then get four eggs, I put five eggs in. Give them a right good whisk. Get 50 grams of Parmesan cheese or your hard cheese from a tub. Whisk that in, whisk in your salt and your pepper. And then you go for and put in your courgettes, grated courgette, in amongst the mixture. Lay them out on a baking tray with baking paper. Probably better baking paper than I've got because again, that's twice in a row now where it's all stuck to the paper. Anyway, 180 degrees on your oven. Put it in for 25 minutes. Take it out. Lather, lather the surface with ham and cheese, preferably smoked. Roll it up so it looks like a roulade. Fling it back in the oven for 10 minutes and you've got yourself a nice wee courgette, ham and egg and cheese roll up. It's lovely. And I burned myself in the process so I've got a wet hanky on my pinky right now. Anyway, right, so NXT TakeOver 31. Not bad, not bad considering. Personally, I thought the Cruiserweight match was the best one of the night. That is a rivalry that has just kind of been there and nothing's really come of it, it's just been a thing I um, I don't know I think since the Cruiserweight tournament they had a f- few months ago since then there's not really been much heat behind it, I don't know if it's a case of quite a few of the people that they've not had available have been tested positive for Covid or they're just not I don't know, just not really involved in it at the moment but the match itself I really enjoyed I enjoyed the hype package for it Good showing from both men. Obviously these guys know each other very well. They probably wrestled each other many, many times in Lucha Underground. But the next in line, maybe the women's match. <coughs> the Kyle O'Reilly <coughs> excuse me. Kyle O'Reilly match was good versus Finn Balor. I enjoyed the tenacity of it and the intensity. It was very sort of gritty. Just not, just didn't sort of set me alight, didn't set my heather alight, so to speak. Um, very valiant performance for Kyle O'Reilly. I knew that he had it in him. I've, I've seen a few matches of his in New Japan, particularly one against Kenneth Jai Omega, which was excellent. So I knew that I knew that was the case. Finn Balor slowly but surely becoming a lot more comfortable as a heel with the champion. I know he was very comfortable with the championship before, but. He's went through a lot of changes over the last few years. So he's starting to look at home. Best part of the night for me was seeing Ember Moon return. I was well convinced that her time as a wrestler was over due to the Achilles heel injury that she'd picked up a year or so ago. Probably, that's what, 14 months since her last pay-per-view? That's a long time. And for some reason, I don't know why, but people thought it was going to be a Bobby that was coming back. There was someone who'd added Triple H on Twitter saying, no one gives a shit about Ember Moon. We wanted um, Bobby. What's his name? Bray Wyatt's brother? Bob. (laughs) Bob 
Bob Truth. I can't remember his name. Well, if you'd been paying attention to the videos, there was someone with nail varnish, nail polish on their fingers. So unless Bob... Bobby? Big? Bobby? I can't remember his name. The, the positivity guy. And he was in the... Undateables with... I can't even be bothered googling the guy, but Bray Wyatt's brother, there was a lot of people calling for him to come back. Well, unless Bray Wyatt's brother started wearing nail varnish and it's not going to be him. But, over the moon for Ember Moon. Hey! Over the moon, but I'm not over the moon because I'm not over the moon. Oh, shut up. Um, issues issues with it obviously the Velveteen Dream thing we are now and fair enough they've got TV I think they've got a TV match tonight at time of recording but that has now been two takeovers in a row where the tag titles have not been defended now Gary Cassidy has been on the show before had tweeted out when the draft happens NXT's tag team division is going to be absolutely ransacked and I texted back saying what tag team division because, really, I mean, who have you got, really, really, really? You've got Breeze Angle, you've got Imperium, you have Raul Mendoza and Wacking Wild, but they're not really involved in that. And you've got uh, Bertrand Lorcan, and Lorcan's, I don't know, it's, it's hard, like, they've really been... They, NXT's tag team division has been ransacked since as far back as I can remember. But this time, since they've not been able to bring people in, or their people aren't ready, like, you know, the Indian brothers who've disappeared since the, the spoilers went out. It's just... How do I put this? The tag team divisions across all three brands, across WWE as a whole, is very thin. And how is it going to be possible to spread the jam evenly across all three pancakes when you've not got that much jam left? It's just the bits around the side or at the underneath, tucked underneath the top of the lid where you can't reach it properly. That's what it's like. It's like an almost empty jar of jam and you've got three massive pancakes. That's what the tag team division's like. Injury has played a part, sure. Covid may have played a part, definitely. But now we're seeing people wonder why random people get put together as tag teams there's your answer well it's not your answer, it just so happens that we need people like that at the moment because there's been so many uh, taken apart it's a shame to see because for a long stretch there the tag team titles were the best part of the takeovers that has not been the case for the last wee while because the takeovers haven't even had tag team title matches there was an another thing I wanted to touch on that was the inclusion of Ridge Holland in the Undisputed Era with him seemingly attacking Adam Cole and offering him as a prize at the end of the match between Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor. Now, my issue is not with the fact that a random guy who's been on TV a few times is been going to be involved in a big angle. It's the fact that that person who was in one of his occasions on TV nearly killed Johnny Gargano. At the very least, paralyse him for life 
Uh, Johnny Gargano is a very lucky man to still be walking after that. I'm sorry, it's just me, but that was very unsafe. Even if it was a mistake, like, surely that was Holland's fault. Johnny Gargano is a very... Say, say what you will about Gargano, but he's a very competent wrestler. Uh, very safe. So, for him to come back, it's just, I don't know. I would put him back in the performance centre and say, right, you need to work on the basics, young man. But he's there. We'll see where he's going. I think his entrance music is fire. His hat should go in a fire, along with his billy club. But I think he does have a bright future if you take away the fact that he was involved in an almost life-ending incident. Quick pause to bring out the lunch for tomorrow. I'm back. And I'm better than ever. I'm back. Down, down, down. Uh, right, so that concludes the NXT TakeOver 31 review. Just a couple of things that have piqued my interest in the last wee while. I have come across the fact that a certain Kevin Owens has been on Smackdown recently and has been involving himself with a certain Bray Wyatt um, brother of Bobby or something why Why can't I remember that boy's name Bobby oh it's at the tip of my tongue There's no doubt I'll get some Twitter people saying this is his name how can you forget Bobby Bo Dallas there we go Dallas. Why did I think his name was Bobby? Uh, but Moon's back. Lovely. Anyway, where was I? Kevin Owens is on Smackdown with Bray Wyatt. Obviously we have a draft coming up, so we don't know really what's going on there. There have actually been a few moves before this draft, which is happening tomorrow night on Friday Night Smackdown, I believe. Um, right. My issue with this... Things that are quite clear with this, you know what goes on with you with you when you dabble with the fiend. You end up turning heel or face, so an inevitable heel turn is coming for Kevin Owens. If we stick with what's happened here, which is great. Um, SmackDown seems to be revitalised at the moment. People wonder why. Oh, SmackDown's been terrible and Raw's been great, and then vice versa. This has been going on for years during brand splits where the shows go through peaks and troughs of quality. It just happens. All It happens all the time. It happened in 2002, never mind 2020. But SmackDown's having a run of form at the moment, so Kevin Owens on there can only mean a good thing. The only issue I've got with that is SmackDown was not kind to Kevin Owens in the past. There was just something off about his whole time there, that whole year where he was feuding with Jericho for a short spell then AJ Styles and then Shane McMahon for five eternities just didn't sit right and I think his stock fell quite a bit after that his move to Smackdown it just didn't go well especially in comparison to his very entertaining and popular Universal title run and work alongside the Ayatollah of Alcohola Chris Jericho and since he's moved back to Raw in the last couple of years, obviously the last few months he's decided to put family first and be safe and stay at home during the coronavirus. Fair play to him. He's a good man for doing that. But I think since he's come back to Raw over the last couple of years, 
He's been a solid mid-carder. He's not really touched the universal title picture again. He's been in some feature feuds. Very, very good, excellent feud and match with Seth Rollins. But I think at the moment he's, he's become a good hand. Not a bad thing. Being a good hand is not a bad thing. But he's not presented as he once was. And he was once a monster and an, an attention grabber. So I'm hoping... I'm of all hopes that this heel turn brings out the best Kevin Owens that we've seen in many a time. He's a, he's a good face. He, wor- he works well. This whole thing works well with him. In fact, he was on SmackDown when he was with Kofi Kingston as well, and that was that was all right. But see, SmackDown has not been kind to Mr. Kevin Steen, ladies and gents. It's a trend, and I seriously hope this trend is bucked, bucked in the face um, with this impending rivalry with. Wyatt slash The Fiend slash Bo Dallas' brother. Other thing, someone who was once on SmackDown and then is now on Raw. And it is a thing that everyone's talking about and that is the, the reveal slash swerve slash plot twist of Mustafa Ali being the man in charge of Retribution. Now, good for him, first and foremost. Good for him because... You all know that I watched 205 Live religiously back in the day and he was a big, big deal. Big deal back in. Much love for him. And I still feel that many people who've only seen his Smackdown run, who feel that he's underutilised, don't actually know to the extent to how of how much he has be, is being underutilised due to his time in 205 Live. But here we are. He was off TV for months. Heavily, heavily rumoured that he was the hacker. Um then that disappeared, came over to Raw, main event, literally main event, the programme. Um, and now here he is. Here he is, the leader of Retribution. Uh, I had a quick chat with friend of the show, Rance Morris, about this one. Uh, he was saying, there's so much so much of this makes sense now. The, why they can, why Retribution continually had access to the building, why they were able to hack into the show and the lights, all that stuff. Retribution should be Ali's middle name after all the missed opportunities he's had over the last years, especially if you were led to believe at the time he was going on to face Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania in 2019. So from that side of things, from the storyline side of things, I do get it. It makes sense. And Mustafa Ali has always been a guy that says, I am the light. So for him to come to the ring or standing in front of the towering retribution members with his palm opened and closing his fist and the lights go out, when he's been a man who wears lights on his hand, that was a very cool symbolic visual. Very, very cool. So that to me tells you that this is a, a heel, definitely a heel move. Therein lies the problem. I personally, like I've said, big deal for Mustafa Ali to be in the position that he now finds himself. But there's an absolutely massive amount of pressure on that young man's shoulders. A lot of pressure. Because he has done some beautiful promos. Beautiful stuff. Like heart-touching um, segments. These segments have all been recorded in advance in videos that he's had time to sit and rehearse and talk through. In-ring promos. 
I think he's had like two or three, literally two or three. That's even including 205 Live. Backstage skits versus in-ring segments, very different kettle of fish, totally different um, ball game. So, I know that he's got the chops to do it in pre-recorded segments, so I just hope he's got the chops to do it live. Part of me worries that because Retribution have been criticised, that not so much a worry, but I believe that because Retribution have been so he- heavily criticised since it started, basically, that Mustafa Ali needs to bring his A-game to win people over to the whole ensemble of Retribution, not just him, but all of them. There's a small part of me that thinks this is just a... Rather than having smart fans think putting someone who they think is criminally underutilised in as a leader of a stable who said smart smart fans think are terrible, if that makes sense. So it's a, hmm, what can we do? Mustafa Ali's been shouting, people are baying for him to be on TV and people hate retribution. I know, let's kill two birds with one stone and just book him. But as Rance has alluded to, the jigsaw piece is starting to fit together. So maybe, maybe, I, I like to give WWE credit with their long-term booking, especially with Sasha Bailey. Don't care what anyone says. This has been long-term. They've done many, many long-term feuds this year, and I think maybe they have been planning this because it just it seems t- too coincidental for them to mistake, like, accidentally happen across this. So maybe it has been the case all along. And if that's the case, kudos once again, WWE are working the smart marks all over the place. So fair play to them. So Mustafa Ali has been a regular conversation on this podcast over the last few weeks. And for good reason. So maybe for, hopefully it will be for a better reason that he's brought up in the future. If we're talking about his impact. But he needs to bring his A game. His Ali game. Definitely. Because he's been saying to us, if it hasn't been... If it hasn't been um, in the pipeline that he's with, with Retribution and he has been underutilised and he has wondered why he's not on TV as much then he better prove to management and to the viewers watching at home that there was a re- that he's he has to prove to them that he shouldn't have been left off TV so the ball is in your coat Mr Adil and my hat's off to you, good luck right ladies and gents I think that'll bring us to the end of tonight's show I've went on long enough I always surprise myself with how not naturally I can do these solo episodes just that I'm able to flesh them out for so long when I'm talking to a screen. Self-consciousness be damned. So, hopefully we'll get back to normal next week. This has been the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find other shows such as One Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, Grown Men Watch This Shit, Great Match Generator, Grave Consequences and All Things Elite. Bet you have missed one. I bet you have missed one. And I apologise to you in advance. Please give our podcast a big, massive five stars on Apple, preferably, or any podcast app of your choice. Those stars equal algorithms, and those algorithms equal ears. More ears. The more ears, the better. You can go to socialsuplex.com and find these podcasts as well as the columns that we do. I have my own column series at wrestlingheadlines.com under the brand extension banner and 
don't forget, check out the show notes for a link that takes you straight to a donation page. You can donate to the show. Remember, I need a webcam. I would like a sound card as well, to be honest with you, but I'm not I'm not asking for too much. Just a webcam and a sound card. And my laptop is 13 years old, so if you're able to, even if you can buy me some RAM, some RAM, that would be nice. If not, RAM it up you. Um, social Suplex, type that in to prowrestlingtees.net. You'll find some Social Suplex. Oh, 8-Bit Suplex. 8-Bit Suplex, there's the other podcast. I knew I was forgetting one of them. 8-Bit Suplex Wrestling Podcast as well. We've got we've all got t-shirts over on the main, the Social Suplex part of prowrestlingtees.net. Head over to the Wrestling Squared Circle. Oh, shit, hold on. Whoa, I actually forgot to take tomorrow's lunch out of the oven. I just turned it off, but it was still in there, so... Looks alright. Disaster averted. Where was our Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group? And we are at Rickett and Clive. Sorry, I've not been active on there as much the last few days. As I say, terrible illnesses, afflictions and ailments. But... Um, thanks for listening I, I do it does it does mean a lot when I get feedback on these solo shows or that people are listening in general even if it's just one person if you're that one person listening thank you and good night and goodbye boing thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive wrestling podcast we'll see you next time, see you next time.